I'm Ryan Pack. And I'm Nicole Barlow. And this is Soundtrack Your Life, where we talk to a guest about a soundtrack that they feel connected to. Today we have Scott and Catherine from This Is The Greatest Song I Have Ever Heard In My Entire Life. Welcome, Scott and Catherine. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here. This is a dream come true. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, um, Scott has been on a couple times. We had him on for Music and Lyrics, which we yeah. will draw connection to today, and Elf for our holiday episode. Mm-hmm. And Catherine is the producer for This Is The Greatest Song I Have Ever Heard In My Entire Life. <laughs> and she's yes. also on a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, Scott and I like to talk about music a lot. So when I get to be on on that podcast too, it's a it's a great time. So um, yeah, we're fun. we're on a little bit of a you know break between seasons, but when we come back fairly soon, uh, Catherine will be on the mic a lot more often. Yeah. So I get to talk. I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> we're letting her talk. <laughs> I come off mute on the Zoom. <laughs> Well, today we are going to talk about the 2023 Greta Gerwig film Barbie. So, why are we talking about Barbie today? I don't know. It's the biggest thing ever. Yeah, yeah it's a huge cultural touchstone. It's immediately like this is the film of the summer, maybe the defining film of the year. We'll see how the how the fall and and winter goes, but it's like it's enormous and i think it was made more enormous by this like barbie and oppenheimer thing coming out on the same day but honestly barbie trounced oppenheimer already so it's it's even more than the sum of its parts i think now did either of you do the barbenheimer experience i did not i've seen both but not on the same day yeah, we had some uh, friends that tried to do it too, and and people like it seemed like more people than I expected were doing that. I was like, that sounds like not fun. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. I was I was prioritizing Barbie, so yeah. it's a real commitment, a real test of endurance. Yes. You know, I was also not. I failed the endurance test, so I've I've only <laughs> seen Barbie. But wow, like what a film! Now I feel like we're in the Roaring Twenties, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is it. We're in, like, peak cinema. Um, as we record this, Barbie just surpassed a billion dollars at the box office. Mm-hmm. A barbillion. Yes. <laughs> and for those of you who have not seen Barbie, like all three of you, uh, there will be some spoilers in this episode. We'll try to save them for the end. But I don't know why you would listen to this Barbie episode and not... And expect to not hear anything about the movie. I'm going to be honest, it's going to be very hard for me because I have no restraint. Wow. Also that. It's also just like the, the soundtrack we're going to talk about is so integrated in the film in a way I was not expecting. And so it's hard to like divest them even a little bit. It's like we're we're getting a lot of the uh, story through the soundtrack. But I even in the way before I li- watched the movie and just listened to the soundtrack, I wasn't really expecting. So that's like such a cool aspect of it is like the way that music was used in the film. Yeah. And I, I know everyone's kind of, um, everyone is hating on pitchfork right now, which, you know, they, they should, um, after this whole, like Jenny Lewis, best coast triangular thing that's blown up on Twitter. But one of the things that pitchfork said about this soundtrack is it just, it lives a lot better in Barbie world than it does on its own. And I think you could probably pretty safely make that claim in the context of the movie. 
uh, I adore it. Out of the context of the movie, you know, you can kind of pick and choose. I think the the pop uh, platter that you want to you want to make out of it. But I'm so curious to know, you know, sort of how you and Scott responded to the soundtrack, and if you had favorites, if you were following like the drops, because the way that they marketed this was also so smart and so uncommon for film where they kind of treated it like a pop album and they had reveals for who's going to be like the last Barbie artist on the soundtrack. Oh, it's Sam Smith. It's Billie Eilish. Were you kind of following all of that hype as it was happening? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely something where we, we, for whatever reason, I kind of knew it was going to be this like big pop event. And like sometimes movie soundtracks like that, that are kind of more, um, uh, like separate than the movie and talked about last summer it was um, Minions that had that really interesting 70s soundtrack that Jack Antonoff executive produced and like performed on got Phoebe Bridgers on it got a ton of other people on it that that was similar I actually never saw that movie but like I was following the soundtrack and so that that felt similar this time except I knew I was gonna see Barbie I knew I was gonna love it because it just sounds like my kind of film directed by Greta Gerwig starring all these amazing people the way they marketed it is is amazing and so yeah i think the soundtrack i was like man this is gonna be awesome um and so just yeah hearing those first couple of songs that came out we talked about it on our instagram page too because both scott and i scott especially being a film buff we were both like really excited for this movie and talked about it a lot and so just knowing that you know these drops were coming up um made that all the more special i think for this yeah, and and to go back to what you were saying about like, I don't want to talk about Pitchfork at all, but um, but just like that idea of like, <laughs> <laughs> but just like you know the the soundtrack maybe making making more sense directly related to the film rather than like on its own. Obviously, you guys like have a podcast about movie soundtracks and and think about them a lot more than we do, but like, isn't that kind of usually the case right like with a lot of films that like the soundtrack sort of plays better when you're familiar with the film and you remember like where the scene you know the scene where this song happened and all this kind of stuff right like they're kind of inherently a little bit of a grab bag right i think that's such a good question and i think it really depends you know sometimes it depends for me on the the curation and the quality of the movie there are movies that i won't really watch again like death proof is one that comes to mind where I'm like, I don't think you want to watch that movie a bunch of times. It's maybe not my top tier Tarantino, but I love the soundtrack. Yeah. So I think it really depends. And, and I think there's always the question of, does this stand on its own as a compilation? Or is it an artifact that only belongs in the universe of this movie or in this case, um, Barbie world? And I think if yeah. you're if you're marking it on success of like, do you feel like you're in barbie's dream house with this soundtrack like fucking absolutely it's like a pepto-bismol yeah. pop dream but also i will never see judgment night but i will still listen to that soundtrack yeah the grow <laughs> not my favorite banger soundtrack though yeah. so it, i think it just depends uh but but with this one it's like it's kind of the perfect meeting of of all things you mentioned greta gerwig we can't talk in this podcast without mentioning her I want to say to the people that can't see this the way that I can, um, Scott's wearing the most amazing written by the screen and directed by Greta Gerwig, like written title. for the screen. Written, yeah, this so is good. 
this is technically you know for little women it's in the little women font but you know it applies as well so absolutely amazing we're gonna make scott uh tell us where to cop this shirt it's really good oh yeah it's super yucky they're the best they make amazing stuff so yeah um (laughs) but yeah i think for me like thinking of the album as an album it feels very kind of like uneven like i'm not gonna listen to this album a lot just to be totally honest but i think that's kind of similar to like the way a lot of pop albums are nowadays where it's like it feels a little bit like a playlist and there are certain songs where you're like this is a banger like i'm gonna add this to our summer playlist or like the going to the beach playlist or whatever it is and then there's a couple songs that like yeah i probably never really need to listen to this one again um but like those songs might be different for different people so it really like has a bit of a range and there are certain songs that like i absolutely love on this soundtrack so before we dive into the songs that we love, is Sam Smith worth being like the secret artist that they reveal at the end of this campaign? No. They they kind of they kind of they kind of messed that up. Uh I think like it was it, it we knew this was going to be such a female or non-male heavy soundtrack. Um, and I obviously Sam Smith is non-binary he uses they the pronouns so it's not like but he hit the song is you know is it man I am or something like that and like yeah. um, it, it felt very anticlimactic honestly kind of paralleled some of the some of the film too in terms of like oh this big reveal and it's about us you know this like non-women like sort of thing but whatever but yeah, it was kind of a botched thing. And then there was the whole Billie Eilish, like responding to Mark Ronson's whatever, like story about it being the next big um, artist. And I, at least in my corner of the internet, which is very Taylor Swift heavy, everyone was like, oh, it's going to be Taylor Swift. Everyone was like, so sure of that. And it like made kind of made sense with some of like the things she's talked about before. But then, yeah, just being kind of like falling flat a bit with, with who they revealed. Um, so I think they kind of, so much of this marketing is amazing, but that one was a little bit uh, probably botched. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, a flop like, for me. Like, Billy yeah. totally made sense. Yeah. And then I was like, Sam Smith? Last? Yeah. I guess. Man, I am? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's more that. I think it's more like you expect, like, a pop princess at the top of that podium. That is your star moment. Or at least boy hero. genius. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> subversive and weird movie is subversive and weird or at the very least like everybody thought it was going to be taylor maybe you get like a track from britney i don't know like it, it built it up so much because this hype machine got so huge that there was no way for sam smith sam smith to not be like a womp and dua lipa being the first one it's like you feel like you want it to be bookended by yeah. goddesses like you know to in my mind dua lipa is kind of like the current day like pop goddess that we would want on this soundtrack and so you know you would think that it's like kind of those bookends would be um important for for them but you know it is what it is it was still it was like kind of a little bit funny you know the internet always like piles on after that so it like ended up okay but yeah i don't i don't think that was the best kind of role out there yeah dua lipa's dance the night away which is very much integrated into the movie in a whole host of ways is so catchy it makes me mad 
I don't even know if I like it, but I it's so catchy. <laughs> yeah. It's in there forever. It is the true definition of like an earworm. So that I mean that's that's some damn fine pop. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe that was one of the first songs that Mark Ronson had to kind of submit to uh, Greta Gerwig. And I know he, and I think he was like, oh, I was like up all night, like freaking out. And I was like, you're Mark Ronson. <laughs> right? You have literally do a leap singing. Like it's not, it's not going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, I, and it, it's kind of funny, like the way I love hearing stories about how this works behind the scenes, but I guess she was sending him like, disco and she was referencing Xanadu and kind of like trying to get him in this sort of like Euro pop disco vibe um and I I think they pretty much nailed it I think they yeah. nailed it and it's it certainly complements the dance sequence that it accompanies that everybody's seen if you've seen the trailer so not a spoiler Ryan <laughs> <laughs> yeah I saw this clip of Greta Gerwig talking about dance the night away and about how like to her disco sort of embodies the the kind of barbie world that she was creating because it's you know fun and and chic and and dancey but also kind of corny and and a little self-aware and um not self-conscious and i think that makes so much sense i i kind of wished the rest of the or, or not the rest of, but more of the soundtrack kind of fit that. Like the opening song, Pink by Lizzo, sort of also fits into that world. But then outside of that, we don't really go back to that vibe in the soundtrack. And it would have been cool to get a little bit more of that kind of flavor. Yeah, I would have liked that too. I, it, that's a really that's a really great thing to mention, actually. Now it's making me consider whether I would miss this or more disco. But I almost kind of saw the songs as, even though they kind of feel... Like they're in the same world and they all have this kind of like happy, shiny pop thing going on. They're also kind of like changing outfits in a way. So Absolutely, it's like, you know, yeah. your Barbie changes into her like disco ball, one piece jumpsuit. And this is the song you get. So everything is kind of a nice, um, it, it's a nice ebb and flow that way. You do get, as you said, Scott, like a just a whole platter of pop that you get to pick and choose from. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I was surprised when they were doing the drops or the announcements or whatever, two of the artists, and then listening to it, the variety that I did see in the soundtrack of artists. Like, um, obviously, I mean, going back to Nicole, your point earlier about, um, you know, wanting or expecting there to be a lot, a lot of pop goddesses on there. Of course, like, we're not going to be able to fill an entire movie soundtrack filled with A-list celebrities. And so we do have to have kind of that variety of even fame levels recognition levels but the people that they did get and how they kind of integrated it like the kid Leroy and Khalid and Dominic Fike and um Carol G and then you know we mm-hmm. have this kind of like k-pop on 5050 is is really interesting I thought um it brought in some of the like the d- diversity of what we saw in some of the actors as well and and the and um you know some of the um, nuance where it's like, yes, you have your quote unquote stereotypical Barbie, who's Marco Robbie, who's, um, you know, dancing to the Dua Lipa song, but you also have a, a lot of other different types of people within Barbie land and within, you know, the real world. And I think the soundtrack started to reflect that pretty well, even though like we're saying it's all pop music essentially, but it's kind of a different, different types of pop music that uh, it keeps you guessing or interested a little bit in in all that kind of music 
it's an expansive definition of pop and none of it is too nostalgic also it feels pretty new or reinvented or i don't know um put together in a different way Greta Gerwig was really resistant to the idea of putting in Aqua's Barbie girl wasn't originally right. going to appear. Um, and I guess Margot Robbie babe begged for it to be in the movie. Like, however, that conversation went down. I guess you don't say no to like your lead actress, your Barbie. And and producer. She she sort of produced the she's the one who got it made. Margot Robbie. Yeah, Exactly. So you, you don't really say no to yeah. uh, like the driving <laughs> engine of your entire like Barbie uh, Barbie movie. And also, everyone would have asked where why it wasn't in the movie if it you know if they had left it off. How do we feel about this kind of like remixed, chopped up um, Ice Spice and Nicki Minaj track? <laughs> Seems divisive. Well, I'm wondering how well, people feel about it. Well, first, just to like give. A little bit of a background. Obviously, like we were all there at the time. I don't know how much you remember about this happening at the time or if people listening do, but like when Aqua released Barbie Girl, there was like a huge lawsuit between them and Mattel over. Um, and so like it has they have a very fraught history with with that song this company um and so to me like it made sense but when the movie was announced and like it was you know starting to come out like i i feel like there was an early news article where it was like no the song is not going to be in the movie and i was like yeah "Yeah, that makes sense because why like it was this really contentious thing (laughs) you know this like huge court battle about this song um that eventually aqua won but um i think this is like the best of both worlds of having like okay it is in this movie now but it's like only sort of in this remixed version that's over the credits with this other you know Nicki minaj and ice spice song um and i do want to hear what Catherine thinks about the song but just in general i want to make sure we circle back to the fact that like a lot of these songs on the soundtrack include samples and interpolation of other songs. And like, that's a whole other thing we should talk about. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like this song. It's not something I'm listening to on its own and more listening to in context of the soundtrack. And um, certainly a lot of these songs have kind of blown up on TikTok. And so when there's a TikTok about Barbie, it often has that as the audio. And so I hear that a lot there and, um, I think it, um, from my kind of read on how other people feel about this song, it's like um, the perfect ending song for the movie. And I think it was. It was like a, um, with without spoiling, it was, you know, a little bit emotional at the end. And then um, all of a sudden it kind of bursts into this, um, into this song that's very catchy and familiar with the sample in it and that sort of thing. And so um, I thought it was a nice way to end the film and, and certainly... Um, is a good like amalgamation of kind of everything in the film and then um bringing back that nostalgia piece i think was really important as well okay yeah. question for the the barbs team barbs are can we start spoiling things now ryan did <laughs> i permit okay let's talk about nikki for a second um so if when this movie was announced before i even heard that greta was coming on board to direct and write it with noah um i would have been like so like Nicki Minaj is going to rap over Barbie girl, right? Like that would, that would have been my <laughs> prediction whenever this movie was announced. 
Yeah, because she she refers to herself as Barbie in her in her song. Right. She calls her you know her fans the Barb's. So it kind of totally made sense. I'm glad that um, as obvious as it is, like they kept it short. It's like two minutes long, so you don't get tired of it. Like they get in and they get yeah. out. You know, she makes her Ken reference. She makes a weird Bob Dylan reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I enjoy it because it's like before you can get sick of it, they're done. Yeah. Yeah. High praise. Yeah. yeah very backhanded yeah. compliment. I'm sorry, but I also have no, I, I also have I... history with Nikki. <laughs> beef with, uh, me, with Nikki beef. Let's tell the internet you're Nikki beef. It's like, not beef. beef. It's yeah. not beef. It's well, it's funny. It's side eye. It, it's well, um. So uh, I I shared this on a different episode. Uh, so Red Bull is doing the series of concerts in L.A. And the last day was a secret show. And I was like, well, I'm just going to buy tickets for the secret show because that seems like they're going to have some sort of name. When we got there, they said, if you want your gift bag at the end, you have to stay for the whole show. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, okay. And so uh, they had like an opener. It was this rapper, Jazz Cartier. He was really fun. And then everyone's like trying to figure out like, oh, who, who's going to be the headliner? Is going to be something hip hop related? Because that's what the opener was. And then there was like some guy walking around the venue who had like this black guy with a shaved head and a goatee. And then some guy in front of me, total pitchfork guy was like, oh man, they got death grips. And I was like, they did not get death grips for this <laughs> Red Bull show. <laughs> death grips guy that had to stay for his swag bag anyway go on that's so funny the guy ended up being in nikki's band but uh right. but you know uh so at one point like there's this bedazzled microphone that goes from one side of the stage to the other and I've, and all the like pitchfork guys are like oh no like oh no <laughs> and so we got a free Nicki minaj concert in a venue for like 500 people nice that's amazing so it was cool and so we're like you know three rows deep me and my wife and, uh, you know, throughout the show, Nikki's, like, trying to hype up the crowd, you know, where my, where my, you know, Latino friends at, you know, I don't know if she asked where her white fans are, I assume not. Everywhere. <laughs> but at one point she goes, where are my Asian fans at? And she, like, looked me, like, dead in the eyes, and I was just like, uh, I'm just here for the gift bag. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Was the gift bag good at least? Oh yeah, the gift bag was awesome. We still use the backpacks. Wow. We still uh, we got a copy of High Fidelity on vinyl. That's that's cool. Also a really good story. So honestly, like worth it. Yeah, I thought it was great. <laughs> I mean, she did all you know. It was like an hour's long set. She played nothing but the hits. I think she did her verse from Monster. Her biggest so, hit, that's that's great. arguably like, short enough that where you didn't get sick of it. Is that how you felt? <laughs> Yeah, it was like the Barbie girl <laughs> rap, you know? It was like, all right, in and out. Like, she was looking at the clock, too, yeah. you know? I, I read an interview with Mark Gratson before this, and he was um, saying that, like, he, like, was just wanting Nicki Minaj. Like, he didn't really make a big sort of, like, deal about it. He's like, I don't know her personally. I don't have any connections. I just, like, really wanted her to be on this. And, like, like you're Mark Ronson. Like, you probably have some connection. Yeah. But however it happened, I'm glad that she ended up on soundtrack. I'm Mark Ronson. I'm not sure if Nicki Minaj has heard of me. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Before we continue with our episode, here's a word from our sponsor. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? 
but it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. All right. So there are some songs on this soundtrack that are sung by Ryan Gosling. Spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, wow. Is it time? And now we have entered the spoiler part. Let's go. And, and we can talk about more songs, yeah. obviously. We don't have to just focus on these songs, but we are entering spoiler territory. If you're living under a rock, you may not have heard of I Just Can, but it has entered the Billboard charts at like 187 or something like that. That's great. That one also, I was talking about the TikTok memes before, that one has blown up on TikTok because there's this meme now, and I'm sure it's on other places as well. I just see a lot of TikToks. That like people are saying, oh, this is my husband. His job is email and like using that as the audio. So like and or this is my boyfriend. His job is desk, you know, because he's just sitting at his desk yeah. all day and stuff like that. So <laughs> referencing the line from the movie. So I think that, too, is like blown it up from what I'm hearing is like just it's all over the Internet right now. In addition to charting and, you know, being part of the soundtrack that people like. I think it's impossible yeah. to talk about this movie and not mention how utterly fucking charming Ryan Gosling is in this and how I was not sure he was. I'm kind of like Ryan Gosling neutral. I don't know if that's a terrible thing to say. People get mad at me for saying it. I think he's great. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I didn't know he was capable of uh, so much because I really don't think anybody can pulled off what he pulls off in this movie because it's absolutely batshit and so, so, so fun and entertaining and perfect it's perfect yeah. Yeah, he he has the best line readings of the entire film just like well, again and again yeah the part where he says uh i kind of lost interest in the patriarchy when i found out it wasn't about horses <laughs> i'm not doing perfect. that just it, that is a yeah his the whole performance just absolutely slaps the fact that he can do this entire um uh, i don't know whatever um disney channel inspired kind of dance montage and then this entire musical number is ken incredible just yeah. so funny and the amount of times he says mojo dojo casa house is all breaking yeah oh man and i i would be remiss not to talk about the best i think the best moment in the film where he goes back into his mojo dojo casa house and goes sublime when she yeah. <laughs> sublime which is perfect and apparently he improvised that line and like did a bunch of other takes and the sublime one made it in the film so yeah. just perfect it's the best word choice. Um, so this song, though, I'm Just Ken, which is like a sort of centerpiece of the third act of the film, um, was written by Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt. And so my previous episode on your podcast, the music and lyrics episode, those songs, many of them were also written by Andrew Wyatt. Yep. Pop goes oh, my heart. Full moment. Ryan told Full me circle. that. It made me so glad. I was yeah. And of course, the two of them also wrote uh, "Shallow" from *A Star Is Born*. So, 
So Oscar winning songwriters wrote I'm Just wow. Yeah. 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 I, I read an interview with Ronson and he said that, uh, you know, they're coming up with the song and the line of uh, I'm Just Ken, Anywhere Else I'd Be a 10 is like the first lyric that like really like sank into yeah, his brain. It's, it's beautiful. Naturally. It's poetry. And and he's and he's like I I need the song needs to talk about blonde fragility. <laughs> blonde fragility. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I really I mean it's this great sort of like '80s power ballad, and then it goes into like you referenced Nicole like this sort of dance sequence in the in the dream ballet set of Singing in the Rain for some reason. Yes, and- <laughs> I got that too. And um. It's it's one of those moments. Frankly, there's a lot of this these moments in the film where I'm like, "Why is this happening? What are we doing here?" But like, it's so good that I, uh, who cares? I don't know. I was giggling my face off because I didn't understand it, and I felt like kind of halfway drunk, but not from the bad AMC cocktail I got that was called the Dolly and my Airman out of vodka in it. Right. Um, it was just like so, just delightful. I, it was a dizzying, crazy stupid delight it's so stupid and so many things have like i think they hold back on just being fully stupid and embracing that and ryan gosling really goes there and it is um the performance of the year it is yeah. a tour de force mark ronson says that ryan gosling cut those vocals in like three hours Damn, wow. Ryan. <laughs> that's great he, it, it couldn't have happened without him he was the absolute centerpiece yeah, him and uh, Simu Liu have just, like, such a great chemistry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the perfect amount of dickishness yeah. towards each other. <laughs> great rivalry. They it, We talk a lot about, or I think a lot about, you know, there is singing and there is selling it. And I think what, uh, you know, what kind of, like, transcends, like, you may not be, like, a classically trained, like, wonderful singer, and Ryan Gosling, I'm sure, would admit that he's not, but... He sells the shit out of that. Yeah. And I think that's really what matters is the the commitment to the bit. And he's incredibly committed both in this and even in the, um, and again, like we're in spoiler sequence now, but the sequence where he's serenading Barbie yes. on the beach singing Matchbox 20's push. Yeah. Uh, and it's supposed to be like, you know, the Pete, like Mojo Dojo Casa house has happened. We're in like, we're in with the patriarchy now, bitch, because. And and my, and my favorite line of the film, let me play yes. guitar. <laughs> and anybody who's ever been like personally serenaded with like prolonged, sustained eye contact knows how that feels. Yeah. As it, someone who like knows how to play the guitar i'm i've always been so conscious about not doing that because <laughs> you're a good man Scott. I, like i really try like i'm not going to play my guitar at you <laughs> at you yeah i usually um want them to ask me to play guitar right. at them. <laughs> well and i i am so glad that i, I feel like the the joke in, on the internet, it's like, okay, if a guy's going to pick up a guitar and serenade, it's going to be like Wonderwall. It's the Oasis Wonderwall. Um, and, and I'm glad they didn't do that. I don't know if it's like they didn't clear it or what, but like, I'm glad that was not the most like obvious iteration of the joke. It was instead this, I don't know. I, I definitely know the song, but it wasn't like top of mind to be like, this is what it, I'm, we're going to play when we play guitar at 
women. Absolutely. So I thought it was just like that was the subversive of it, like this nature of it was like Dang perfect. Something happened to my brain chemistry when I realized it was push. And I'm like, wait a minute, oh no, I'm going to like the weird bad place in my like <laughs> late nineties, early two thousand girl brain. Fantastic yeah. pull. It's so good. And he tries to match all of Rob Thomas's like vocal inflections as well. It's so good. Does so flawlessly. Yep. Uh, So here is an interview with Rob Thomas from 1997 talking about how Push is not a song about glorifying domestic violence. Sure, Rob. Let's Uh, hear it. And and he says, uh, you know, uh, when Push first came out, I got a lot of mean, like angry, angry women saying, I want to talk to you. (laughs) I want to talk to you about that song. And he says, it's not about beating women. That's for sure. In fact, in the song, I turned around the point of view on it. It was actually about a relationship that I was in and how I was being manipulated. It was all about emotional (laughs) manipulation and emotional violence. I believe him that it's not about beating women, but I also don't understand this that, explanation. So he's trying to say that he he's writing from the point of view of the woman in the relationship? His partner in the relationship? Yes. Is that what he's trying to say? That's like a that's like a good story. I don't I don't really believe it, but <laughs> like he can Yeah. He can say that. That's no, fine. But but so in his defense, because I'm pulling up the lyrics now, just you know, so we could be judicious about this. Um and particularly it looks I, I think in the second verse because it, it starts the first lyric is said I don't know if I've ever been good enough right so it sort of leaves them um, um, it's like an incomplete sentence that should be something says or he says or I said or she said or whatever in the second verse he does make it clear she said I don't know why you would ever lie to me I'm a little untrusting so it it does in the text make it clear that the point of view it's like him telling the listener what she said to him but again it's like i don't know <laughs> i think it just sounded really good together like i want to push you way around but like you know obviously he's not thinking of like physically hurting someone it just sounded yeah good. i think if this if we're putting this song on trial i think the court votes some <laughs> kind of uh lyric malpractice right yeah. like i think it's just like straight up ignorance at play like did you not know what was gonna come across like that of course it's gonna come across like that yeah rob that's something <laughs> we would hope not would not come out today but honestly i don't know at this point <laughs> but, but this is why this song is perfect for right. this scene and I'm going to take us back to 1997 in San Diego, California, where I, like Ken, would go nowhere without my rollerblades. <laughs> go on. So, uh, you know, I would like rollerblade around the neighborhood because I couldn't drive yet and I was not cool. And there was like this nine-year-old kid who lived, I don't even, rem- rem- I don't even know if I ever asked him what his name was. And he'd always want to talk to me and be like, hey, like you want to like play? And I'd be like, you are a child. And, but eventually like, you know, you'd be like, Oh, I'm playing the Zelda game. Can you like, it's really hard. Can you help me? And I, you know, spend half an hour beating a level and I'd take off. But, uh, at one point, you know, cause I am, my whole life is based around music. My identity is music. I go, uh, what, what kind of music you listen to kid? And, uh, he didn't tell me the name. He just, he just started singing, 
the lyrics oh, push wow. and like really aggressively at me. <laughs> Oh my and, God. you know, I, I was I was not super familiar with the song. Like, I had heard it on the radio, but it hadn't really, like, digested right. the lyrics or anything. And I was like, what is this? This song is super violent. <laughs> like, why are you you're singing? You're nine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're nine. And so when, so when he starts singing it in the movie, it took me back <laughs> to that time. Ryan Gosling's Ken would totally misinterpret the lyrics of this song. Yeah as you know some sort of like rallying war cry <laughs> right well also like you know again it's it's cut it's the rob thomas claim like i don't know why this would be inappropriate as a song to serenade someone that i love so very much on the beach it's just like a total a total swing and a miss but he doesn't know that he thinks he's doing great his job yeah. is his job is beach <laughs> god i wish my job was beach <laughs> Yeah. Can't even beach here. <laughs> Can I uh, flip us over to another song I love on the soundtrack that isn't quite as uh, hilarious as this, but my favorite song on the soundtrack was uh, Angel by Pink Panthers. And even Ooh. before uh, it came out, it's just, I mean, it's such a Pink Panther song. I really, I really like her music. It's two minutes long, like we were talking about with the Nicki Minaj song, which all of her songs are. But it's a very, like, apparently it's very nostalgic to some of the, like, Flash Barbie, like, dress-up games that used to be around in, like, the early 2000s. And then some of, like, the Barbie movies that came out after my time, the, like, animated ones in the 2010s. Apparently it kind of flows into those soundtracks really nicely, which I thought was interesting. It was kind of a flashback to some of the other, like, Barbie properties. But I just love the song. I think it's, like... She's able to have such a soft tone and a soft song, uh, soft voice and um, and that sort of thing while making it really exciting and, you know, still driving forward. And it is a little weird. Granted, it's like there's a fiddle in there for kind of some reason. Yeah. And there's like some ad libs that are like, uh, 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 like it's a little bit like what's going on, but it's a beautiful song and I've listened to it and it's like right now on my Spotify on repeat playlist like really high up because it's just it's a great song and um and it's like it's beautiful so to me that one like stands out as like the one that I will probably take forward from that soundtrack into you know future playlists and like things that um that I'll take forward with me and that that would be not be what I would expect from from that but that was one of my favorites yeah. You can really kind of feel like the energetic excitement and heart that it, that are in a lot of these tracks that like ironically could be super plastic, very phoned in. But I think like to your point, you know, she went deep with her Barbie knowledge and kind of drew that out to make yeah. her track happen. And I think that's evident in so much of this movie is that everybody really loved what they were doing and did the most with it, I think, in most respects. And the soundtracks feels like that too. There, there aren't a lot of moments that are like completely phoned in. Maybe the Tame Impala song is a little phoned in. <laughs> yeah, but I think it works in the in the sequence. In the, it works in the sequence in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, honestly, it could have been a mul- multiple Tame Impala tracks. I think that Tame Impala track <laughs> plays over yeah. this really great. There's so much great like set design and so many mm, great yeah. like practical sets in this movie. Like amazing if you love that stuff. But they're going from Barbie land to the real world. And so their kind of like dreamlike transition is this this Tame Impala track as they travel on various means of conveyance, like um, fake jet skis and 
things like that that it's pretty pretty wonderful in context yeah is it um is it time to talk about billy eilish i don't see why not um i love this song what was i made for it's also so of course it's like the emotional climax at, in the third act of the film we finally hear the song but i noticed especially on my second time seeing the movie that the melody gets used in the score like a ton throughout the movie um as like underscoring all of like these emotional beats of the mario robbie barbie like you know learning more about the real world and about herself and all this kind of stuff so that when it finally like goes into the full song it's like this very satisfying moment and i guess i mean it's not a super bold prediction but like this is gonna be billy and phineas's next oscar right like they already have one and they're gonna get one for this i'm hoping that they don't submit the song and they just submit i'm just ken uh, so so you guys probably know this better than I do. I was thinking about this earlier. Are they can, they can submit more than one song, right? Yes. But okay. Then you then you risk splitting the vote. Sure. It, right. It's kind of the Encanto thing, right? We've talked about this with Encanto, like why right. didn't they submit multiple songs or why not? Um we don't talk about Bruno and and so I think those are the decisions that need to get made about what you're going to what you're going to hype for that Oscar. But Billie Eilish is the is the safest bet to win it, obviously, and, I, and the yeah. moment that you're talking about at the end of the film, it packs a huge emotional wallop by the way that I was not anticipating yeah. at all where they show that she takes the hands of um, the creator of Barbie and Barbie gets shown sort of what it's like to have the entire female human experience. And the thing that is really Mm. emotional about it as Billy's song plays over it, um, all of those clips are people on the production team. They're people that worked on the film and Greta asked them to give her home movies. And so it feels really, really real. Um, and very, yeah. very emotional. And the song is a great buttress for all of that. So I think that, again, the way that it hits in the film for me is it's very powerful. It's a good one. Yeah, her vocals yeah. on that are just, I mean, they're it's a classic Billie Eilish song, not to d- diminish it in any way. But by that, yeah. I mean, too, that her vocals are so on point. There's like, an instance where you know she's just building and building very slowly like she does in her songs um but the payoff of of her vocals is just incredible um and she did some festivals last weekend she performed this past weekend she performed at Lollapalooza and Oshiga I don't know how to pronounce that um yeah and Montreal, yeah, yeah and uh performed this both times the first but live performance and people went crazy for that too because it's just such a special moment in the film and like she performs it so beautifully live and on the soundtrack. Yeah, I think so. I just saw like literally two minutes before logging on to this call. Um, I saw on TikTok this guy, uh, Jeremy Jordan, who's like a, a Broadway guy who I'm in love with. Um, <laughs> but he just did a concert last week and he did it too, this song. So, like, I think this is, I think this one has legs. I yeah. think this is going to become like a real standard. And it, it is, it's almost like a parody of a Billie Eilish song. <laughs> Song. like i think like if if she didn't release it and you told me like 
oh, like I made a parody version of what a Billie Eilish song about a Barbie would sound like and play this song. Like I'd be like, oh yeah, that's really funny. It's a little too on the nose, but. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because um, the interview I was reading with Mark Ronson was like, oh, we were doing all of this soundtrack work like last year. And so all of these um, artists specifically is talking about Ice Spice at the time where it was like, she was like not as popular as she is now, but she's been, you know, obviously mm-hmm. like, hugely gaining popularity in the past like six months year that sort of thing and so um it's interesting like a lot of these artists Billie Eilish Dua Lipa I feel like their songs are kind of indicative of like previous eras that they've had or previous albums they've had like Dua Lipa had Future Nostalgia and her dance tonight is very close to you know Future Nostalgia Billie Eilish had What Was I Made For and like some of her music strays outside of this sort of like parody of herself sort of thing now. Um, but I wonder if like when they were developing the soundtrack, writing the music, they were still sort of in their sort of um, previous album eras. And so, um, you know, thinking that this is kind of like the closure of it, but when it comes out, obviously it's brand new and they have to kind of engage and interact with it. Like um, hearing, you know, today that Dua Lipa is working on her next album, it's going to come out next year. And it's going to be totally different from her yeah. her disco future nostalgia. It's kind of like, okay, well, she has this huge hit on her hands that is still in this that is brand new to everyone hearing it for the first time this summer. And she is working on it with Mark Ronson. Uh, yeah. Which oh, that's cool. going to be, I think, I'm really, excited. really interesting and really fun, um, given that this collaboration, I think, is really fun. So there's honestly all these kind of insane little um like you said earlier scott samples and um you know interpretations pulled from other songs that you know and that you start to notice the more you listen to the soundtrack and i imagine like the more you watch the movie um that give you that sense of i've been here before which is kind of cool i think pop music does that really well um not just in terms of how they reinterpreted Barbie Girl, but Speed Drive by Charlie XCX yeah. has these little loops that are like Cobra Style by Robin. Yeah. Uh, Mickey is in and there. Mickey, yeah. These little things that kind of like um, these little elements of of spice that like triggered that dopamine hit in your brain. You're like, oh, dopamine, cool. The whole movie is kind of <laughs> kind of like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Choose Your Fighter by Ava Max was like reminiscent of some of her earlier work too. And, um, and like sa- almost kind of sampled Kings and the Queens that, you know, is one of her songs. And yeah. so it's, it's interesting. And apparently, like, none of that, um, like, came from up on high or, you know, Greta didn't say, like, oh, we need these interpolations. We need these samples. It was kind of like from the artists themselves. It's like, well, we want to bring in this sort of, like familiarity and nostalgia to some of these songs too which is interesting yeah oh, and i could probably go on for a really long time about like weird barbie like just the entire character and purpose of like weird barbie in this film uh and the moment that that barbie stereotypical barbie margot robbie chooses the birkenstock to enter the real world and her song to kind of go mm-hmm. into the real real world via barbie convertible is um it's it's Indigo Girls closer to fine, which yeah. everybody knows. But it's like it's such a it's such a good pick, right? It's, so it's good. such a good pick for so many reasons because the sing along that you yell in the car already, ten ten. That um, was that was my push from this movie, like push like this, <laughs> but like this closer to fine was like my version of of that in this yeah. film. It's like perfect. 
Yeah. It's like, you but know, it's, it's also earthy, lyrically it's real, we're going real now, like perfect. It's so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So good. Um, and also like, just to like, make sure we talk about everything, I guess the, there's the Carol G song, like the sort of reggaeton song when they get to LA, that's cool to be in here. Um, and then there's a couple songs that aren't like actually featured in the movie that are on here. There's the Heim song. Um, uh, which is not good. Which is fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's a parody of a Heim song as we're talking about parody of yeah. themselves. It, it, it's no gasoline. It's yeah. no gasoline. <laughs> so That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and then what do you guys think of like Pink, the Lizzo song, as like the opening? I feel like it's weird on the soundtrack because it's so much of like a visual gag song. I like it in the movie, but. It reminds me of the Jonathan Richmond songs from There's Something About yeah. Mary. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's like, like singing narrator. Yeah. You know, that's such a nice like parallel and a nice comparison because that is also like a very weird, subversive, like fourth wall breaking kind of film for its time. I feel like this. Yeah, Lizzo doesn't get shot. Yeah, in this I mean, <laughs> there's that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's um. I have kind of mixed feelings about it. Again, like, I don't think, like, Catherine has said a lot. Like, I don't know if I'm listening to it on my in my recreational time, but right. I think it's great in the movie. I think it works for the film. I think it's a nice little ramp up to what you're going to see. It fits. Well, yeah. I think this film does a really nice job of um, finding times to, to double down a little bit on the joke. I mean, we were talking about um, you know, the the dance sequence of, of the I'm Just Ken of, like, well, they, they kind of keep going. They go on, you know, Singing in the Rain. They go on the Grease Lightning set. Like, they do all these things. Yeah. And they're sort of, like, doubling down on it. I think that they did that really well with Pink, where, yes, like, it's funny when the first time when you're like, okay, she's narrating. And then once, you know, she's thinking these thoughts, or Margot Robbie's thinking these thoughts about death and, like, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is kind of malfunctioning. And, you know, before she goes to see Weird Barbie... You know, it's narrated and like you know the 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 joke is like she spells out the word ping, yeah, p panic, and then you know that it gets. I K, think that's like death. a nice double dot. Yeah, yeah. Death. <laughs> yeah K is death. <laughs> um, so I I think that was like a nice like uh, foreshadowing of some of the like, okay, they're really going for it in this movie, and like, um, yes. it, it was like a nice kind of like foreshadowing of some of that stuff that um they they could have just done the first one and be still be funny, but I think it makes it brings it to another level with the second like death version of the song <laughs> yeah. the maximum criticism i've seen or the, the i think the most common criticism i've seen of this movie so far is well not everything hits but i would rather see like just a blatantly weird movie which i think this is i think people yeah. are not talking enough about how absolutely bonkers it is, very it is. Weird, yeah. <laughs> i would rather see them just absolutely shoot for the moon um and maybe go a little bit left than not try and i think there's so many ways this movie could have been boring and unoriginal and corporate and very much like led by mattel and the things that they do and get away with are really genuinely strange and satisfying um, the end line of the movie, which if you've seen the movie, you know this, um, she goes to the real world, she becomes a real girl. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this whole scene, she's like in her car and she's like, looks like she's going to a job interview, like, okay, I can do it. And then big Margot Robbie smile standing in front of a desk says, I'm here to see my gynecologist. Yeah. 
perfect <laughs> perfect ending and then and then barbie girl yeah, rap yeah that and it's just like roar uproarious laughter in my yeah. theater like people were yeah. just like what the shit clapping it's so great yeah i'm really, excited really interesting and really fun um given that this collaboration i think is really fun so yeah yeah and to go back to uh i'm just ken that song um Ryan Gosling cut the vocals a year before they finished it. Wow. And when Mark Ronson had sent it back to Ryan Gosling, I guess for approvals, he was like, oh yeah, I got Slash to play guitar solo at the end. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, there's a bunch of, and, and like, um, who else is on? There's It's like a whole bunch of... Wolfgang Van oh, Halen. Right. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. There's honestly all these kind of insane little, um, like you said earlier, Scott samples and yeah. um, you know interpretations pulled from other songs that you know and that you start to notice the more you listen to the soundtrack. And I imagine like the more you watch the movie, um, that give you that sense of I've been here before, which is kind of cool. And I think pop music does that really well, not just in terms of how they reinterpreted Barbie Girl, but Speed Drive by Charlie yeah. XCX has these little loops that are like Cobra style by Robin yeah. uh, Mickey is in and there. Mickey, yeah. These little things that kind of like um, these little elements of, of spice that like trigger that dopamine hit in your brain. You're like, Oh, dopamine. Cool. The whole movie is kind of, <laughs> kind of like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, choose your fighter by Ava Max was like reminiscent of some of her earlier work too. And, um, and like almost kind of sample Kings and the Queens that, you know, is one of her songs. And yeah. so it's, it's interesting. And apparently like none of that, um, like came from up on high or, you know, Greta didn't say like, oh, we need these interpolations. We need these samples. It was kind of like from the artists themselves. It's like, well, we want to bring in this sort of like familiarity and nostalgia to some of these songs too, which is interesting. Yeah, oh, and I could probably go on for a really long time about, like, Weird Barbie, like, just the entire character and purpose of, like, Weird Barbie in this film. Uh, and the moment that that Barbie, stereotypical Barbie, Margot Robbie, chooses the Birkenstock to enter the real world and her song to kind of go mm. into the real real world via Barbie convertible is... Um, it's, it's Indigo Girls Closer to Fine, which yeah. everybody oh. knows, but it's, like, it's such a, it's such a good pick right it's, so it's such a good pick for so many reasons because the sing-along that you yell in the car already 10 10 um, that was that was my push from this movie like push like this <laughs> but like this closer to five was like my version of, of that in this yeah. film it's like perfect yeah it's like you but know it's, it's also earthy, lyrically it's real, it real now like perfect it's so perfect yeah yeah uh yeah so good Okay, so I was listening to a couple episodes to, you know, prepare for this a little bit and just, like, getting some of the back catalogs. I listened to the episode that Scott was on uh, in December about Elf. And I, there's so many parallels between Elf and this movie that I was like, are, is it kind yes. of the same movie almost? Like, they, ha I mean, they have, like, you know, this person that doesn't fit in in the fictional world. They have this, like, very prolonged... Um, cartoonish sequence of them going to the real world, you know, bye buddy, hope you find your dad. And like, and then he's like all of a sudden magically and, you know, as are, as are Barbie and Ken in the real world. And, you know, he's going through the tunnel, but like she's in California and on Venice beach. And, um, and I, I don't know. I just like, I haven't like gone a lot further than that, but 
Um, I thought that was really interesting too. I'm like, man, there's like a lot of parallels here. I feel like and Will there's probably more that we could pick them and up. Will yeah, true. And Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is in it, but but not playing the fish out of water. You know, titular work. Not enraging a little person. Yeah, not doing that. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's it's it is very similar. It's totally very similar. Um, also, again, like Alpha is a movie that uses a lot of practical effects and feels like very real, but also very fantastical at the same time. Like it's all based mm-hmm. in like Rankin Bass movies, whereas Barbie movie is all based in we're going to build a dream house and we're going to do it real and to the mm-hmm. exact scale that it would be if Barbie were human size. Mm-hmm. Again, it like satisfies parts of my brain that I don't normally, you know, they don't normally get that kind of stimulation. You don't get that watching a Marvel movie, folks. Yeah, they sh- they shot it on the stages that um, in the same areas that they shot a lot of the Harry Potter, um, like practical effects in Leavesden, um, where uh, so I-, I thought like, you know, they were able to build up that world so incredibly and so beautifully. Um, you can really feel the care that went into that. And um, it just, it pays off so well. I thought the movie, they were going to spend a lot more time in the real world. And it's going to be like, oh, how does Barbie do that? But they went back pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. it, I think it's a great use of their budget to, you know, to spend all that money kind of building up that um, that soundstage. Me too. And I think um, I think that's one way that it does differ from Elf, whereas Elf is mostly that fish out of water story and him trying to make his way in the big city. I assumed that that's what was going to be happening in this film. And it's not really. It takes a lot of turns that you do not expect it to take. And they spend a lot of time um, in Barbie dreamland. And I think that's fantastic because that's kind of where you want to live. That's where like the childlike part of you wants to stay. And somehow they still manage to pull off like great incredible gags and and a great story there's also a lot of aside from the soundtrack a lot of kind of like great little like musical gags and jokes and asides in this film right Mm. like ryan and i have already discussed this but there is like a joke in the mojo dojo casa sequence where everything has gone like full patriarchy and barbie land and the kens have taken over where somebody's trying to like mansplain pavement (laughs) steven oh yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) That was a huge laugh line for me, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in my theater that laughed at that. I thought that was uh, Ryan and me too. Like, so that there's three yeah. of us for sure. Love it. Yeah, there was a lot of that in that sequence, also about like the Snyder cut and like a lot of the Snyder cut was like so good. So and then good. The, and then the two things that were like really like how did they get away with this with Helen Mirren like breaking the fourth wall and saying like. You know, don't, you know, don't hire Margaret Robbie if you're going to talk about how, you know, she's so ugly right now. And then the Mattel um, logo over Issa Rae when she, you know, says motherfuckers. I don't know. Just both of those things. So it's like Mattel signed off on this is like pretty incredible. He doesn't get a lot of musical moments. We haven't talked very much about Michael Sarah's Alan, which is also just a fantastic. He does the most with that role. He's so good. Oh, let, let's back up for Michael Sarah for a second. Um, speaking of the Snyder Cut, I was reading um, <laughs> our good friend uh, uh, Tara's Substack, oh, yeah. Tara Jean Casper's Substack, and she said there was a um, there is a cut scene from the movie where there's like a fart opera. Oh yeah, I read about that too. And, yeah, so she's so she's um, and she said, you know, if Warner Brothers is going to pay up for the fucking Snyder cut, then let's they should the release fart the fart cut. Yeah. Release the fart cut. Well, like Greta Gerwig, <laughs> I read, like really wanted that in, and 
one of her other films i've already forgotten it also (laughs) had like some kind of weird like fart sequence so this driver was just like really amused by farts and i can only respect that yeah but you know what if if you want to see a fart opera that is something that happens in shrek the musical um so do what you will there's a (laughs) there's a there's a pro shot of uh shrek the musical it used to be on netflix i don't know if it still is but there is a song where they fart and burp in melody together so good to know ryan's face right now is not amused (laughs) (laughs) i'm just trying to process this information like i'm i'm honestly glad that was left out that's (laughs) that would have took me out of it a little bit but (laughs) yeah so let's talk about alan i love alan i love alan alan is michael sarah's back baby Come on, Michael Sarah. I I love Michael Sarah. I'm like predisposed to loving Michael Sarah because he's just like an indie nerd. He has a, a moment where he reveals that there were other Allens and that they go out into the real world and no one notices because no one cares about Allen. Um, but he says that all of NSYNC are Allens. And, and I didn't even catch this the first time, but the second time through, I noticed he says, yes, even that one, like yeah. referring to Justin Timberlake. <laughs> incredible it's such an incredible like yeah you you kind of got to think about it for a second so good and no right to be that amazing so good and another one of the just like so many good little musical like asides it's really a very like musical movie in a lot of ways and i i adore that great yeah Mm -hmm. i think um like i was something i'm looking forward to noticing again when i see it again is some of the you know things that are in the background of these alan was in the background of a lot of shots and just his like acting or background acting is so good too and just like his reactions and body language and all that kind of stuff too and and a lot of other characters had that i know like simulio did that really well and a couple of the other kens but um alan was a really a standout there is like you really kind of could zero in on him and be really entertained well, Alan is like painted for the cheap seats. Like they have him done up in this like yeah. huge, like a creepy marionette doll or something. <laughs> like he's, it's great. The whole effect of his character and his costuming is just, it's so, so spot on. So yeah. good. So speaking of like little, like nerdy things with this soundtrack, the soundtrack supervisor producer, his name is George Draculius. Uh, okay. So he's a producer. Um, he is Greek American, so I might have butchered his name. Uh, so he's best known for working um, as an A&R at American Recordings with Rick Rubin, who he met by dating Rick Rubin's ex-girlfriend. That's incredible! Wow. So he's worked on a bunch of films, uh, including you know, Tropic Thunder, The Hangover movies. He's produced like Tom Petty and The Black Crows. Uh, so he's involved with this film, but he's also like referenced in movies and music, like. Um, the Beastie Boys have referenced his name in a song in Paul's Boutique. They have a line went from the station to Orange Julius. I bought a hot dog from who? George Draculius. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's so well, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there is a character in the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou named Osiery Draculius, who is named after uh, George Draculius and Guy Osier. Wow. Wow. It is a pretty badass surname, though. Yeah. Yeah. Rhymes with a lot. And you know who co-wrote The Life Aquatic? Noah Baumbach. There you go. Oh, 
shit. Full freaking circle. <laughs> that's it. It's coming that's, around. That's the stuff right there. <laughs> that's cool. That's a cool connection. So we live far in the show is being in that garage with all of the like string pinned up on a wall. <laughs> I I have a question for you, Scott, in, in general, too. It's like, what do you take as Noah Baumbach being kind of the co-writer of this film? Like, I, everyone mentions Greta Gerwig so often, but like, yeah. and I know there's a lot of history you don't need to get into there, but like, what do you what do you take as like this being a co-written film and it being like very much half or more right. male? Well, you know? I, think, I think that like, it's interesting because they wrote this basically in lockdown and COVID lockdown. Um, and so it makes sense that, like the two of them were there together, you know, they're in a relationship. So it like makes sense that they would just be working on something together. But in a bigger picture, I think it's interesting, like his movie that came out last year that the two of them worked on together, White Noise, um, this movie and also like a bunch of other, you know, Oppenheimer, Asteroid City, like all of these movies from these big auteur directors seem to be really like grappling in some way with COVID in, in, you know, these are all like very existentialist films that are asking these questions about like, what does it mean to be human and what are we here for and what are we doing? And they all have these like huge ensembles and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, I don't have any like specific insight. I'm not enough of a Noah Baumbach fan to like see his fingerprints on this, you know? Um, But it would be interesting to watch white noise and this back to back and just see like the different ways that they're approaching kind of similar questions. I just like thinking about as a married couple writing this film, you know, like how fun that would be. You're just like doing dishes or something. You come up with that like sick burn about Justin Timberlake. (laughs) Yeah. We should say that all the guys of NSYNC are Allens. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Should it be Backstreet Boys or should it be in sync? Yeah. Well, <laughs> in sync yeah, we, we can make and, it and emphasize even that. Yeah, one. and in sync we can have we can have you know quote unquote that one. So we should probably do in sync. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I guess because I am a huge fan of like the Life Aquatic. I assume there's like absurd moments in that movie that kind of I feel like there's that absurdist humor mm-hmm. in in this one as mm-hmm. well, but. I mean, we also have Lady Bird and Crash yeah. Into Me. That's true, yeah. <laughs> true. I mean, I get, yeah. No, she totally. She loves a needle drop. She does. And we love her for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we kind of uh, touched on this question earlier, but what artist do you feel is missing from the soundtrack? Ooh. Um, I guess, I guess I would like to have seen some like older iconic artists, you know, like, could we have had a Dolly Parton on here? Could we have had a Cher on here or, you know, Madonna, Madonna. Like, I think, I think it would have been really cool to like, obviously they're trying to do this, like let's have an album that's really popular and that, you know, people like as an album and listen to and stream and whatever. And I get that. Um, but I think thematically it would have been cool to have this sort of like multi-generational thing. So, yeah, I don't know. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna answer how I thought you were gonna answer, Scott. And I think Carly Rae Jepsen could have been oh. on there. I think she writes her best songs for films like Cut to the Feeling was written mm-hmm. for an animated film in 2017. And one of her best songs, obviously she has a, a ton of great songs, but um, I think this could have really like uh, been mutually beneficial for her um, just getting more into kind of the zeitgeist, but also for the film since her um, songs, especially when it's like for a certain purpose are straight bangers. And like, I think it could have brought us more into that, like, pure pop versus kind of some of this up and down like um that we get on the soundtrack yeah what about you guys those are such good answers that's such good answers you guys are so smart (laughs) i don't even know i mean it first of all this entire compilation feels really stacked with some very famous top of mind relevant people so in terms of like relevance and making it feel like what pop is now i think they kind of nailed it and it feels like anything else would almost be like gravy i don't know what i would swap out or swap in i know everybody expected taylor everybody probably wanted you know somebody on the level of britney but at the same time if you got a taylor or a britney would it almost feel like too much would it feel Mm, overwhelming Would it feel too sacred? So that's where I'm kind of like struggling with. Maybe they did really kind of hit the right mix. Now, do I wish like some of the tracks by the individual artists were maybe a little bit better? Yeah, I definitely do. But I don't know what I what I would necessarily add. I love your Dolly Parton answer. Yeah. Because suddenly I want that so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And Barbie too, if they ever get her to make it. I kind of don't want to. But if it happens. Maybe she could have a cameo. I think she'd have a perfect cameo in in Absolutely. a film. I mean, she's yeah. the backwoods Barbie, and they left yeah. out the backwoods Barbie. So now I'm kind of like stuck on that. Thanks, boss. <laughs> she could be a previous stereotypical Barbie, Barbie that went to the yeah. real world. Absolutely. Uh, joke answer: Phoebe Bridgers, because Phoebe Bridgers is inevitable. Inescapable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, non joke answer. Um, I think first thought was Janelle Monae. Yeah. A good one too. Or Robin, but maybe because mm. she already wrote Dancing on My Head, uh-huh. maybe you couldn't, can't have her cover her own song. Because <laughs> I feel like that song would be perfect on this. I would have loved Kylie too. Like a Kylie Minogue would have been a yeah. cool one. Yeah, that would have been fun. I mean, just Excellent. put Padam Padam on here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that would have fit. <laughs> Any of her, any of the new Janelle Monae songs, too, honestly. Like, a lot of them would have fit on here, too. I feel like even if she maybe didn't want to because it'd be a conflict with her new album, like, right. she could have just lent one of those to Barbie and it would have been really good. She is not that. That's a great Like, I only, have, I only have eyes for two. Yeah. <laughs> God, that album is really good. I don't want to keep you guys too much longer, but uh, can someone explain to me what the fuck is this Gale Butterfly song? <laughs> right? I mean... <laughs> I think it, Scott, it, you got to do it. So Gail is. <laughs> I don't. Gail, okay, Gail I, is a TikTok artist. Yes. She yes. I, and I. Sorry if I'm I'm explaining this uh, at a lower level than we expected, but she rose to fame because she wrote a song on TikTok called ABC FU, and it literally like interpolates the ABCs, yeah. and yeah, it's. It's everywhere. It's not a good song. And so that's her rise to claim to fame. And so now she's trying to do a little bit more. She's 
she's the first opener on some of the Taylor Swift eras tour dates. So like she's definitely in more of the the realm. But yeah, I then they had her do this interpolation of Butterfly, which is interesting. And she's fully 19 years old. That was my hesitation of wanting to describe her because she um. is like a child, you know. Um, <laughs> and so like, whatever, it's not really for me, but like, God bless her, you know. Bless her heart. Yeah. And like, she can grow into like an artist that does interesting things, maybe, or maybe <laughs> not. It's She could be another Clive yeah. Lawrence. <laughs> yes. She could be Clive Lawrence. Um uh who am i i feel like i'm seeing laura oh oh i'm seeing the jonas brothers by the time this comes out i will have already seen the jonas brothers but lawrence is the opening act so i will see clive oh wow okay well this has all been very illuminating i also feel like i'm about ready to burst into dust from age it's made me feel older than i have Um, but the the thing about the gale song is butterfly by crazy town is also not a good song and it's and that song samples a red hot chili pepper song which is also not a good song so this one is like it's, three layers yeah. deep it's a baklava shitty song <laughs> and apparently it is the only sample that crazy town ever got clear wow and they and like we were t- scott and i were talking about this earlier and he's like yeah this is weird like this one isn't in the film and i like had to look it up and it is in the film for like a few seconds when they're describing like weird Barbie's backstory, which makes sense. It's like, okay, in the nineties, like this was a thing and it was playing in the background. So I appreciate that they, if they were gonna need to use butterfly or um, a cover of it or an interpolation of it, that they, you know, flipped it to a female singer. Like I think Mm -hmm. that was a good move. Um, But that particular song is a little bit of a weird choice. That one, again, in this Ronson interview, was apparently from Greta that she wanted this song in it. Um, and so they like found Gail to do that basically. So that wasn't even just like Gail being like, this would be a good one. It was like, no, this is like what they want to put in that scene, which is just an interesting choice. I'm glad the Kens didn't like dance to it. For, like, <laughs> yeah, five exactly. Yeah. I'm both like simultaneously glad that it was used this way. And then also like just really upset at it. I don't, it, I kind of want to pretend it's like, it's not here. It's not happening. I, I think also because like we have, you know, whatever early odds drama. I think it can safely be a skip on this album for you. If you ever listen to it in the future, I think that I gave you permission to never listen to it again. If you don't want okay, to you hear that, you have Catherine's permission to skip <laughs> we will like like scott said we will await better music from gail and we will champion her every step of the way <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry gail no royalties from us <laughs> no no point zero 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 one you know zero two yeah <laughs> and then the last one really is barbie dreams the 50 50 song which interpolates the um uh janet jackson track uh together again which is weird and cool. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This is another one I think is is actually not in the film. Um, yeah. But it's nice on the soundtrack. They just want those K-pop yeah. songs. Yeah. yeah. Weird and cool and a little bit disorienting is a good way to describe the movie. And also <laughs> a lot of the choices that were made. Yeah. With some of these songs that got that got thrown in. They really feel like they're in the back corners of um like a millennial brain. And so I, I get 
I get where they're coming from. Um, it doesn't mean that I want to listen to that ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those songs where I was like, like too sugary, <laughs> too sugary for me. Yeah, this is like a interesting, like family friendly film, and it, but it's not a kids movie. Like it's a very interesting kind of mix. Yeah, I remember leaving the theater and some mom brought her like eight or nine year old daughter and her daughter was like, I didn't understand that last joke that everyone was laughing at. <laughs> Maybe when I'm older. And her mom was like, yeah. 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 Or well, want to chat about that. Uh, well, thank you, Scott and Catherine, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, this was a great time. Appreciate you having us on. Uh, like I was telling them offline, um, you know, Nicole and I are a little bit more like indie rock uh, oriented. So we wanted to make sure that like we had people who know who Pink Panthers <laughs> is or, you know, knows more about Charlie XCX than she sings a hook on a Danny Brown song. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah, I told that to my, my, my Generation Z cousin and she like looked at me horrified. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my God. Charlie XCX. Charlie XCX is one of my favorite artists of all time. So it's just, it, that's ama- an amazing sort of description of it. I love that. I actually really love her, by the way. So, you know, I've got some pop place Phillies. They just don't, they're not Gale. I don't. No, no. I, don't, no. I like everything I've heard yeah. from her, but I like really have I know, no frame it's, of reference It's amazing. And uh, that one, if like she hadn't been on the soundtrack, that would have been my answer for like who needs to be on yeah. the soundtrack. Because to me, she embodies the current like pop movement, at least from what I can see is like, just so energetic and so pushing the boundaries and like doing her own thing. And, um, and this one was a really fun one. And it's just such a Charlie song to be like, it's about cars. It's about speeding. Like it's a, it's like doing this sort of sample in an interesting way, but like, it's like, who gives a fuck about it? Like, I mean, that's just such her personality. So to me, this one was, that was one of the highlights too. And you know, that came, well, that dropped before the soundtrack came out. So um, yeah, I, I love that one. Yeah, I think it's got Song of Summer potential. I agree. Well, other than I'm Just Ken. I think it's like Speed Drive, Padam Padam, and Rush by Cherry Savan are really going to be, you go into like the- any gay bar, progressive city, and hear those the- over and over and over and over again. And honestly, we're better for it. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I work on a college campus and uh, the students were blasting Speed Drive during like like an orientation get together. They have great that taste. so happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try to roll one way. I tried not to like bump my head too much because there'd be like, oh, that staff guy like trying to be cool. <laughs> so you guys will be back soon with new episodes. Yes. But if people want to check out the back catalog, including your interview with Mitski, sure. which I plugged on Earbuds Collective, uh, how can they find and, you guys? And my episode with you. You're there too, so. And my episode with you, with me, that got referenced in another episode, which I made yeah. me so excited. Yeah. When he was like, "Oh, actually, the Universal is like the number one place <laughs> on my iTunes." Like, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find us at uh, you know wherever you listen to podcasts. At uh, it's called "This Is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life," or you can find us on social media at Great Song Pod. It's G R the number eight song pod um and yeah we should be coming back soon with exciting new episodes as soon as we line up new guests and um uh we're really looking forward oh yeah please seriously actually let's let's make that happen yeah we'll make that happen 
honored. I won't know anything about Gail. I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> and of course, you can find us on social media at soundtrack underscore you're on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called <laughs> now. And on Instagram at SoundtrackCast. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we get, we can get together soon because I have a new story about my super uncomfortable experience at the Adele concert. Ooh. That was a, a really good uh, cliffhanger there. Cliffhanger, Great yeah. cliffhanger. And I have so many questions, but I'm not going to ask. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, SoundtrackYourLife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.